Welcome back to Oliver's Insights, part of the Simplifying Investing podcast series. It's great to have you here. A reminder that this podcast is general in nature and hasn't taken your circumstances into account. It's important you consider your personal circumstances and speak to a financial advisor before deciding what's right for you. Any general tax information provided is provided as a guide only. And with that out of the way, here's Shane. G'day everyone and welcome to this week's edition of the Oliver's Insights podcast series. Now, what I'm going to talk about this week is what I call seven things for investors to keep in mind in rough times like the one we're going through at present. Successful investing, I reckon, can be really hard in times like now when we're seeing very volatile share markets and lots of conflicting indicators, not just economic, but also geopolitical risks. For share markets and other assets, Falls are very stressful, as no one likes to see their wealth decline, and the natural inclination is to retreat to safety. In fact, from their highs last year, or early this year, to their recent lows, US and global shares have fallen about 25%. Australian shares have held up better, but still, to their low in mid-June, they fell around 16%, and of course, are still well down from their highs, and of course, they remain vulnerable to what's going on globally. While shares have managed to find technical support in recent days and could have a bounce from here, who knows, we might have seen the low, but going to be very hard to time that. The risks in the near term are probably still on the downside because we've got these issues around high inflation and ultra hawkish central banks. The US dollar is still trending higher. That's driven by safe haven demand and Fed rate hikes. And of course, that runs the risk of a financial accident. And of course, we've seen a bit of a reminder of that recently with the problems in the UK. Now, to be specific, I I do think the UK issues are specific to the UK. It reflected a new inexperienced government that uh, mistimed a fiscal stimulus. And of course, that caused problems in the bond market and the British pound. The Bank of England had to intervene. We've since seen a reversal in those policies. It's not necessarily the case that other countries will see the same thing. In fact, the circumstances are very different in other countries, and it may, in fact, provide a warning to the new government in Italy not to try the same thing. That said, there's a history of the Fed continuing to raise rates until it causes an accident, and often that comes about because of a rising US dollar, causing problems for countries in the emerging world who might have their debt denominated in US dollars. But on top of these issues around inflation, hawkish central banks, the rising US dollar, we have the escalation of the war in Ukraine, along with other geopolitical risks. Uh, Flowing from all of that is a high and still rising risk of recession, particularly globally, and downwards revisions to earnings expectations flowing from all of this. Now, of course, we had a detailed look at many of these issues about three weeks ago, so I'm not going to go into the detail and pull out the crystal ball again, but I will point out that my crystal ball gets even hazier at times like the present. But to borrow one of my favourite quotes that Mark Twain is said to have said, history doesn't repeat, but it rhymes. While the weakness we are going through differs in detail from rough patches in the past, basic investment principles still apply. It's hard to say anything new other than to reiterate them, which is precisely what I'm going to do today. So if you've ever heard me talk about seven things for investors to keep in mind before, then I apologise, but I think those things are worth revisiting at times like the present. Now, the first one is, and this I think is critically important, is to bear in mind that share market falls are totally normal. You know, the reality is that shares over very long periods of time provide higher returns than most other asset classes. And I should say growth assets generally, like shares, property, and so on. But sometimes the price you pay for that is higher volatility, particularly in the share market. Every so often we get a 5% correction, 10% correction, 20%. Sometimes, like in the mid-70s, the GFC, um, you get much bigger falls of around 50%. 
it's quite normal. If you go back through the history of the share market over the last 100 odd years, you see a general rising trend interspersed by these periodic setbacks, many of which can be quite painful. In fact, the biggest bear market in Australia's history was in the mid-1970s. I like to put that down to the cancellation of my favourite TV show, The Brady Bunch at the time. Um, but uh, lots of other things involved as well, including stagflation, the OPEC crisis, recession, etc. And of course, at that point in time, from a high in 1973 to a low in 1974, the share market 50, 59%. But then again, it bounced back again and moved on to resume its long-term rising trend. So bottom line is that bouts of volatility are the price we pay for higher long-term returns from shares compared to most other assets, particularly cash and bonds. Another way of looking at this is, I think, to focus on the power of compound interest, which I think is critically important. If you invested, for example, $1 back in 1900 and reinvested any proceeds from interest or dividends along the way, that $1 today would have grown to $243. If you put it in Australian, that's in cash. If you put it in Australian government bonds, it would have grown to $881. Alternatively, if you put it into Australian shares, it would have grown to almost $692,000. Now, that massive differential between the return you get on shares or the cumulative value of the share investment compared to the bond and cash investment reflects compounding. Yes, we have many rough years along the way, but by and large, the average return is roughly double that on bonds and um, not quite, but almost three times that on cash. And that higher return compounds to end up with much higher balances at the end of the period. So if we want to grow our wealth, we need an exposure to growth assets like shares, like property, to make the most of the magic of compound interest. But of course, we do have to accept that that's going to cause volatility every so often. So the key is to stick to the path and make the most of compound interest. Number two, I think this is very important. The key, and it flows from the last point, is not to get thrown off by cyclical swings. Cyclic cycles are perfectly normal. There's been lots of attempts to declare them dead, just like people declaring inflation dead. And then, of course, it bounces back again. But the point is that if you sell your shares after a fall, it turns a paper loss into a real loss. Now, of course, when shares are falling sharply, it's naturally tempting to sell. At least it may then be easy to sleep at night. But selling shares or switching to a more conservative investment strategy, whenever shares suffer a cyclical setback, just turns a paper loss into a real loss with no hope of recovering. Now, of course, you may be thinking, but I will reinvest once the uncertainty is removed and share markets start to recover. But the problem is that timing is very hard. The risk is you don't actually feel confident again to get back into the market until long after the share market has fully recovered, risen well above where you actually sold out at. So the round trip actually destroys some of your wealth um, because you're out of the market. Trying to time the market is very difficult. A good way to demonstrate this is with a comparison of returns if an investor is fully invested um, versus missing out on the best or worst days. What I've done is a little calculation here from January 1995 up to the present. The average annual return, and this is dividends plus capital growth, on the All Lords Accumulation Index, the Australian share market, has been 9.2% over the period since 1995. If alternatively, you had a great timing mechanism or you just had great intuition on the market and you managed to miss the worst 40 days, then your return over that period since 1995 would have grown to 17.2%, almost double. Alternatively, if you miss the best 40 days, so you miss the best 40 days, um, that return would have dropped to 2.9%. So it's very hit and miss. Uh, yes, you can miss the worst days, but you might also miss the best days, and that could lead to very bad outcomes. 
So I think it's very important to focus on time in rather than timing, even though I know that is a very old cliche. There is, of course, another way of looking at this, and I've done this exercise over many years. I've compared a balanced fund, go way back in the 1920s, balanced mix of Australian shares, say 70%, 25% in bonds, 5% in cash, what that would have grown to. Um, in fact, over the period since 1928, $100, sorry, $100 invested in 1928 would have grown to $746,000 today in round terms. That's a return of about 9.9% per annum. Alternatively, what if you switched out of that portfolio every time there was a bad financial year in terms of returns? So every time after you have a negative return on a financial year basis, you move to cash, say with a two-month lag, because it takes a while for the the results to come through and people realize that they've lost some money. So they switch to cash after every financial year, which is negative, and they only get back in until you get a positive financial year return. That portfolio would have seen the value of that $100 grow to $234,000. So still impressive, but the rate of return is about 1.3% per annum less. In other words, switching, um, unless you have a fantastic timing mechanism, can actually lead to lower wealth than you otherwise would have had over a long period of time. The best way to guard against selling on the basis of emotion, and that's often what it is after weakness, is to adopt a well-thought-out long-term strategy and I think stick to it. This brings me to the fourth point, and that is that share market pullbacks provide opportunities. When shares and all assets fall in price, they're actually cheaper, much like Woolworths, Coles or Aldi having a sale. We think that's fantastic, we rush in, buy the cheap goods, um, we certainly don't want to rush in when the prices have gone up dramatically. But it's also the case with shares, except that we don't behave the same way we would in relation to a supermarket having a sale. In fact, the reality is that when share markets come down or any asset comes down in price, they are cheaper and they offer higher long-term return prospects because they're starting from a higher yield, now a higher bond yield, for example, or a higher dividend yield in the case of shares. As a result of the fall in share and bond prices that we've seen this year, or at least over the last 12 months, our estimated medium-term return projections for a diversified growth mix of assets, so that's a mix of growth assets like shares and defensive assets like cash and bonds, has improved from about 4.9% earlier this year to around 6.7%. In other words, the fall in markets has actually boosted the return potential from that mix, that diversified growth mix of assets. And it's because PEs have come down, dividend yields have gone up, and so too have bond yields improving prospective returns. So the key is to make the most of the opportunities that falls in share markets provide. This brings me to the fifth point. If you think about the Australian share market, for many years now, we've had a gap between the rate of interest you can get on bank deposits and the dividend yield. And that gap has closed a little bit, um, but not as much as you would think, because over the last couple of years, the dividend yield has increased, particularly in franked terms, once you allow for franking credits. Um, in fact, it's around 6%, even if you allow for some slippage and dividends from the big miners, it's probably still going to be around 55 to 6%, um, or maybe say 5.5%. Um, but the return on bank deposits, yes, they've gone up, but they're still pretty low. In fact, in most cases, they're still below 2%. I'm sure if you swap around, shop around, you might find a decent deal, but you're still going to find you're getting a much lower cash flow out of bank deposits than you are out of shares. This contrasts to the period, say, before the GFC, when you would have done far better off in bank deposits than you would have in shares from a cash flow perspective. The point is that you can still get a pretty good cash flow out of the Australian share market relative to what you can get from bank deposits. Six point, share markets don't bottom when everyone is bullish, they bottom when everyone is bearish. bearish. And that means you've really got to try and go against the crowd. 
Now, it's that point where markets have had big falls, everyone's gloomy. Maybe you could argue we've got a bit of that at the moment. Everyone's gloomy. Everyone can't see how things are going to recover. That's usually when things finally make start to make a recovery, often simply because the news becomes a little less bad or just maybe a little bit better than it has been. And that causes the market to start rising as far-sighted investors start to come back in. So just bear that in mind that you won't get a bell at the bottom when the markets hit the bottom. No one will ring that bell, um, but everyone will probably be bearish when the market does bottom out. And finally, I think it's critically important, this is the seventh point, and I often emphasize this one, to turn down the noise. Times like this, negative news reaches fever pitch. Everyone's talking about billions wiped off share markets and warnings of disaster. That all sells copy and generates clicks and views. But we're rarely told when the billions are added back onto the market and um, the rising trend has resumed. There is far less noise around all of that. So you've got to find some way to put perspective around that, look at the history of share markets, realize that these things happen every so often and find a way to turn down that noise I think you're better off watching old Elvis movies or something like that. I'm sure everyone can find something on Netflix or Binge and lots of choices these days. Um, but I reckon it's really important to turn down the noise. So I hope those seven points have been of use. I think it's really important to reiterate these things as we go through rough patches like the present. Until we meet again, adios. up to date with Dr. Oliver and the Simplifying Investing podcast series, be sure to subscribe to your favorite streaming platform. That way you'll never miss an episode. All topics discussed today are general in nature and haven't taken your personal circumstances into account. It's important you consider taking tailored financial advice that is relevant to your own situation before making any important financial decisions. 